بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹو نائٹ از دا سیونٹینتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی ٹو دا فورٹی ففتھ نائٹ دا وی گوئنگ تھرو دا انڈسٹریس اینڈ نوبل لائف of the Blessed Companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu So to spend one last session taking a glimpse into this awesome man's taqwa. So Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu his fear of falling into sin could also be vividly be seen from the question he once asked. Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa I am a young man. Hence, I fear for myself falling into sin. I have no wealth to marry. With your permission, shall I get castrated? He وسلم, said, O Abu Hurairah, the pen is dry in regard to what you face. Those get castrated with that knowledge or do not. So let's look at it. So this is recorded in Bukhari, but without a chain. Nasai ibn Abi Asim Shaykh al-Bayn al-Rahmatullah stated Sahih in his Sahih al-Jami number 7832 So what was he fearing? Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and he was fearing basically the desires so obviously he's a man he's a young man his desires may be at its peak and he, he said I haven't got wealth to get married meaning that I would have done this but I haven't got the means so with your permission Shall I get castrated? Look at the level of Iman. What did the Prophet Wasallam say? The pen is dry regarding to what you face, meaning it's already happened. Hence, get castrated or don't with that knowledge. The scholars point out this was a mild rebuke from the Prophet Wasallam, meaning he didn't give him permission. So now let's look a little bit into this. Other companions were also thinking of taking this path. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, one of the ten of his paradise, he relates, had Rasulullah given permission, I to Uthman ibn Maz'un, we would also have got castrated. This is in Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim. So it wasn't just Abu Huraira. There was quite a few who thought, We know this is a sin, I to fulfill our desires unlawfully. So, like they say, cut the root of his problem, just get castrated. But look at their level of Iman, they're doing it just so that they won't fall into sin. Think about that. You know, what level of Iman is that? They're willing to like basically harm themselves. But the Prophet didn't give permission, let alone castration for humans. This act is even prohibited for animals. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu said, castration is prohibited. This is in Ibn Asakir. And Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated sahih. In sahih al-jami number 6862, meaning it's forbidden. And similarly, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu said, our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there is no castration in Islam. This is in Behaki. And Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated sahih. In sahih al-jami number 7166. So now there's a problem. People take their 
pets to neuter them. So this is a very like you know nice word of saying castration. Give them a snip. You're not allowed to do that. The castration is forbidden in Islam, right? So this is, and also even logically, what gives you the right? Imagine the poor cat, the poor whatever dog. If it's a guard dog, and then he goes, no, no, we don't want him to go wild. We don't use logic. There's revelation, right? So. If this has been done, you ask forgiveness. But you should know, especially when you have a pet, you're not allowed to do this. And no, so I'm using logic. Oh, we don't want you know too many kittens, and we don't want too many. Well, why did you get a female cat then? Right. So again, you know, just you know, remember the commands are there for your own. So if animals, you are not allowed to castrate animals. How can a human be castrated? It must be noted, however. That Sayyidina Abu Huraira may have thought that since he had no means to marry, he would have been allowed to do so. So this is important. He knew it was forbidden. But he was thinking, I haven't got the means. So maybe because I haven't got the means to get married, maybe Allah Ta'ala will allow me to get castrated. But even in that case, it's forbidden. So think about that. Even if you're living in a poor part of the world, haven't got enough money, and you think that, look, I need... No, you still can't. Thus Abu Huraira would later say, Allah, even if only one day remained of my life, I would still prefer to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala married. For I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Shiralukum Uzabukum, the worst of you are the unmarried. This is in Ibn Adi in his Al-Qabil 3-43. Ahmad in his Musnad, number 21,781. Tabrani in his Kabir, number 14,508. Abu Ya'la in his Musnad, number 2,038. De in his Musnad al-Firdos, number 3,446. And Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf, number 10,387. Relates identically. So what did Abu Huraira say? Now think about that. So imagine, God forbid, the doctor says, you've only got 24 hours to live. God forbid. Which, and you're not married. Which one of us would say, I need to get married? Mm-hmm. You think, you lost the plot. You're going to be dead within 24 hours. Abu Huraira said, I want to meet my, I want to meet my Lord married. <coughs> so it's not just about fulfilling your desires. He says, I want to meet Allah Ta'ala in the state which he ordained for his prophets. Then the prophets said, Allah, what did he say? The worst of you are the unmarried, meaning without, you know, the means. If you have the means and you don't get married, you are the worst. If you haven't got the means, then of course, the Prophet gave you other things you can do like fast, etc, etc. The senior companion, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, similarly stressed, even if I knew that I would not live in this world for more than 10 days, I would still like to have a wife through marriage. This is in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 3-453 with a Sahih channel transmission. So, the companions noticed they were men. They had desires. You know, sometimes you talk about them and you're thinking, oh, no, no, they're, they're not like me. And what you mean by that is, I've got all these desires. They were more of a man than you. But they stepped up to the play. They thought, look, if something's haram, I need to deal with it or just cut it at its roots. But you can't get rid of that through another haram. Those, these most exalted men did not want to meet their Lord without being married. Why? Because our beloved messenger said, 
It's extract is a cure for the eyes. If it, so if you're calling an illness, why is there shafa in it? So now this is a very specific thing the Prophet mentioned. First of all, is this hadith authentic? Yes. But it's confirmed in Bukhari. Where? In Sayyid Bukhari, number 4639. Tirmidhi, number 2074. Sayyid. Sa'id ibn Zayd, one of the 10 Prophets, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Qam'atu min al-manni wa ma'ugha shifa'an lil'ayn. Al-Qam'a is a kind of truffles. Its extract is a cure for the eyes. So word for word, the previous hadith is confirmed. Where? In Sayyid Bukhari. So now, what have they discovered? SubhanAllah, signs of prophethood. First of all, what is Al-Qam'atu? Al-Qam'atu, medically, the professional name for it, the, the biological name, is Agaricus Compestris. So what does that mean to me and you? Agaricus Compestris, commonly known as truffles is indeed useful for what? SubhanAllah. Eye diseases. Also, loose motions, lack of blood, cough, typhoid, tuberculosis, etc. It is also an antiseptic. Refer to Tib in Nabawi or Jadid Science, Volume 1, page 271 to 208. How on earth... Could anybody have known that the juice of truffles is a cure for the eyes? Imagine somebody said that, even in today's day and age. First of all, what's a truffle, brother? I know what chocolate truffles are. We're not talking about that. Right? We're talking about the truffles. Because what is it? It's a small mushroom. He's okay. Didn't even know that. Then you say, well, you don't even know that, but I'll tell you something else about it. You can take an extract from it, a drop, it gives cure to the eyes. And what have they discovered? So our question to non-Muslims, how did our Prophet know that? So they were saying, this is the smallpox of the earth. Because that's obviously wrong. The Prophet corrected it, not only corrected it, he told you, look, you will eventually find out what I'm telling you about this. So how is this linked to Abu Hurairah? Look how beautiful. In Tirmidhi number 2076, Hassan. Mishqat in the chapter on the cure of diseases. Qatada radhi rahmatullah He relates that Abu Huraira said radhi Allah. I thereupon took three or five or seven truffles. I pressed them, put their juice in a bottle and applied it as an eye lotion to a slave girl of mine who was bleary eyed and subhanallah she recovered. Subhanallah. So Abu Hurairah is teaching you what to do. The Prophet didn't tell you what to do. He told you where the cure is. Abu Hurairah said, I took an odd number of truffles. Three, five or seven. Allah Ta'ala loves odd. He said, I put it into a small kind of a, it's called a field, a small bottle. And his slave girl, she had blurry eyes. What does that mean? Was it cataracts? Was it some other illness? Something was wrong with the eyes. And look at his iman. And look at her, Iman. Would you let anybody put drops into your eyes? He put the drop into the eyes. Subhanallah, she got cured. Now this is the tragedy. The Muslims were given, was, were given this knowledge 1,400 plus years ago. 
It's been patented by the Bani Israel. The medicine now you can get who have patented it, meaning is they get the prophets, Bani Israel. Muslims are sleeping. Our question is, why did the Muslims do that? Because they're more interested in bakwas. The ones who don't apparently believe in the prophet, they're studying. They analyzed it, get it painted. Also the black seed. The black seed, I mentioned this, you know, famous hadith is a cure for all illnesses. Sayyid Bukhari, Abu Huraira relates the hadith as well from the Prophet And it was another Bani Israel. <laughs> right? And he was on, you can get it on the YouTube. I can't remember his name, he's a physician. And they asked him, because why did you put your resources into the black seed? And why, you know, of all the herbs and, you know, and then he says, because uh, Muhammad spoke about it. So he, was, he was honest. So the interview said, which Muhammad? He goes, oh, Muhammad, the Islam, the prophet of Islam. And then he said this. He goes, he said, it's a cure for everything. And he put his hand on his neck, except this. So the prophet didn't do that. But he actually said, and he goes, he knew. He's right. And I thought, what were you doing? Eating sag. Imagine anything. So the Prophet is given Shafa, he's given you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You would have thought first day the Muslims are gonna Muslims, you know, I don't know what they're doing, You look at the state of the Muslims. I mentioned yesterday the sins that cause havoc. We're committing all them. But Israel, you know, plowing their fields, you know, and you know, pushing us left, right, and center, and taking all the benefits. Not just from the dunya, but from the from the revelation in terms of health benefits. Now what's interesting. Notice how eager they are to live. Because the hadith about Shafa, Shafa for the eyes, gives you, you know, protects you from, you know, all illnesses. Why? Because when it comes to the Akhirah, they don't want to know. Look at the double standard. When the Prophet spoke about dunya, they want to know. When he talked about the grave, they go, oh, no, no, forget that. Why? Because the Quran says they are the most eager for life. Most eager, even if they lived a thousand years, they want more. Mm-hmm. Allah mentions in Surah Baqarah. So again, note, and that's you know the, that's the you know sad bargain they've made. They've sold the akhirah for the dunya. Imagine astaghfirullah. But don't forget, the Prophet said, "You will follow them." And who did he mention? The Jews and the Christians. So don't start laughing at them because we're going to follow them. But the other thing which is so sad, we followed them. We didn't even get dunya. Right? You know, I'm not like praising the Bani Israel, but you know, they've destroyed the Akhirat. At least they got dunya. But they've destroyed the Akhirat, living in a council house. Right? And then you're thinking, brother, I'm really confused here. Right? So, no, we don't even imitate them properly. You know, at least take the dunya. But don't even take dunya. You know, work for the Akhirat. You know, subhanAllah. So, let's make a start on the next subsection. <coughs> A few of his blessed words of wisdom. I shown over the previous six or seven weeks, many a treasured gem fell from the lips of this most blessed man, Allah. So let us now mention a few from a truly caught Lord of Grain. Abu Huraira, he said, Any one of you will detect the little dirt in the eye of his brother but will forget the splinters in his own. 
Subhanallah. This is in Ibn Hibban, Bukhari's Allah double Mufrad, page 253. Look how beautiful. How do you detect a speck in your brother's eye? You know, that takes tremendous effort. Meaning, there's something wrong with you. And yet you got big chunks of splinter in your own eyes, you can't see that. One you call this person mud. And you say, of course, he is mud. Why does he get the splinter out of his own eye before looking for the specks in his brothers? That is the likeness Abu Huraira made of the one who finds faults with others and ignores his own faults. Because you're mad. What's the famous saying today's day and age? Point one finger to another and three fingers point back toward you. So you notice when a person points, you say, stop brother, don't move. Because what? He goes, which finger is pointing towards me? He goes, this one. He looks at it with anger. And he says, right. How many fingers pointing towards you? He's not even thinking. He goes, what? He goes, no, how many fingers? He goes, oh, yeah, that's true. There's three. He goes, even in that is a sign. You've got three pointing to you and you're looking at my fault. But that's not a hadith. The hadith is from Abu Huraira. What's interesting, identical passages found in the Bible. There's a very similar passage in the Bible that's confirmed by Abu Huraira. He must have knowledge of that. So when somebody goes, brother, that's Bible. Well, we don't say everything in the Bible is false. If there's truth there, it will be confirmed. That is a true passage. Because one of our saintly souls confirmed that. Indeed, when one reflects upon one's own failings, it truly <laughs> impairs one from finding faults with others. For instance, our beloved messenger said, وسلم, How fortunate is he whose own shortcomings Prevent him from backbiting others. How fortunate is he whose own shortcomings prevent him from backbiting others. This is in Bazaar, Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullah, in his Ihya volume 3, page 217, in the chapter on the curse of the tongue. So look how amazing that report is. Is backbiting a common sin? Yes. So you say, Brother Lok, it's a common sin. Give me some help. I need help. You just say this to them. Whenever you're about to talk about somebody, keep a list of your own failings with you. <laughs> Memorize them. So as soon as you're about to use your tongue, instantly remember those failings. And then goes, then try to bite bite. And subhanAllah, absolutely it works. The problem is you can't remember. <laughs> you can't remember your failings. So you've got to keep them with you. This is called, you know, the scholars of the heart say, keep it with you. You know, so what's your feelings? You might think, okay, I listen to music. You know, I lie occasionally. Right? Or, you know, you, you, you put it right, and then all of a sudden, you get up, you're thinking, flip, what's this? And then you go, now brother, uh, Tariq said, well, oh, Tariq's doing, oh brother, I ain't got time for that. Why? Because I'm going to get up here. I'm going to sort this out. And look what the Prophet said, look at the words, very interesting, How fortunate is he whose own shortcomings prevent him from backbiting? He didn't say sins. He specifically mentioned backbiting. It's a cure for it. So who are those who backbite? Those who are not concerned about their own feelings. You'll notice they all just backbite. But those who are doing proper Islam on the heart, they're far from it. Go, look, look, I've got my, you know, you've been hearing it, but it's dunya. 
said, brother, I've got my own problems. That's a good statement. But we make that statement for dunya, you know, it's if that statement was made for Akhirat, brother, subhanAllah, I've got my own problems. Right? So note again, Abu Huraira, he's just giving you beautiful advice. Saying, look, get this into your life. And you'll get this. And how great a sin is backbiting. To finish. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, the Prophet wasallam said, the worst of creation is the backbite. The worst. No. You know, Allah Ta'ala doesn't like him. He, you know, you've angered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're the pit. Who's the greatest of creation? Rasulullah. 100%. Somebody goes, who's the pit? Amongst the Muslims. And you say, oh, that's a good question. But there is it. Is it the one who deceives others? No. Is it the one who, you know, rips people off? No. Is it the fornicator? No. Who is it? I don't know. The Prophet said the backbiter. Now, would you have put that in that category? Do you want to be the worst of creation? I don't want that tile. Imagine somebody goes to put that bud, but I don't want to be scum of the earth. Right? I'd rather be called a khanzir than be called the worst of creation. And yeah, how many of us walking around five time namazis? Right? Just letting it rip, right? Just throwing your D's left, right, and center. Right? And also, what's beautiful, if you don't backbite, it becomes a one-way process now. What do I mean by that? If you bike by, it's like past the parcel on the day of judgment. You take people's deeds because they bike by to you, but you're handing yours out. So it's past the parcel. Then you got the clever one. He's not passing nothing. He's taking. Who's that one? People have bike by to him. He's not bike by to So he's just cashing it in. Royalties on the day of judgment. Look how you know. When I heard this, I got really envious. <coughs> you know that <coughs> one of the songs for Christmas, Noddy Holder, is Christmas. You know, it's one of those stupid songs. Every time that's played, he gets royalties. And he actually said in one of the interviews, he goes, I, I can retire completely just on the royalties. And I was thinking about that. Then I suddenly thought of the Day of Judgment. I thought that's the person who's not given anything, any, and he's just taking royalties. I can retire on the day of judgment. Why? Because I'm not the one who harms others. You know, love of So all I mentioned today was a few things. First, Abu Huraira thinking of castrating himself, subhanAllah, at his level of taqwa. But the Prophet prohibited him, I mentioned a little bit about marriage. And then I mentioned about truffles, al-qam'ah, the cure, the, the juice within it. And note, it's not just for eye diseases. It's also for other things which I've mentioned. Which means that you can also take it as a medicine as well. And then I mentioned just one blessed word of wisdom from Abu Huraira, which you can actually spend an entire lecture on. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Alhamdulillah, <laughs> <laughs>